about my hero from the Bible. I thought, well, I admire them all really, but I felt sure I was bound to talk about one of the women from the Bible. I mean, not only do they do or say what the Lord has asked them to do, which was often difficult enough on its own, but it was twice as hard for women back then, given their lack of position in society. However, when I started praying about it, I felt led to talk about David and the reasons why I admire him. David was the son of Jesse. He was the youngest of eight sons. And we read about him in the book of Samuel, where we're introduced to him as a boy. His job was to look after the family's sheep. This was a job that was reserved for servants or the lowest of the family, the runt of the litter, so to speak. The king at that time, Saul, had not kept the Lord's commands. And so the prophet Samuel had been sent out to anoint a new king. And after going through all the other sons of Jesse, was led by the Lord to anoint David. Now things didn't change overnight for David. It was actually quite a long, often painful process over a number of years until David actually was able to take up the position of king at the age of 30. So after being anointed as a boy, he heads back to the desert to look after the family sheep. The first thing I really respect about David is that he was faithful in the small things. He continued to serve with a good heart. He didn't say to his father, didn't you hear I'm going to be the king of a nation? I'm far too important to be doing this menial work. No, he continued in that work. It might have been quite lonely and boring, at times really dangerous. We know that David speaks of having to fight lions and bears to protect the sheep. David may or may not have been aware of it, but during that time he was gaining necessary skills such as fighting and defending himself that he would need to succeed in the future, such as when he would battle his enemy, the over nine feet tall Goliath. David was being equipped for the Lord's future plans. David's attitude showed God that he could be faithful with the little, so the Lord knew he could trust him with more and greater responsibility. David was humble in attitude. You know, I've been privileged to preach and to lead services in our previous church, but I've also cleaned the toilets, vacuumed the floors, helped wash the crockery after mice had broken in and left their little deposits everywhere. Let us to remember to be humble and do whatever it takes to serve the Lord in whatever shape or form that takes. It's all important service to him. He might well be training you up for something more. David was also using this time to develop his musical abilities, which takes me on to my next point. 1 Samuel 16 says... Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and then goes on to say about how he has been tormented by an evil spirit. So his servant suggested that they find a skilled musician to play the harp and soothe him during these attacks. Word had gotten to the servants that David was a skilled harpist and he is brought in to play for the king. So impressed is the king that he keeps him on and then promotes him to be his armour bearer. 
The next thing I love about David is his ability to praise and worship. It amazes me how far we've progressed in society since Bible times, in terms of things like our freedom and all the advancements. And yet in the area of praise, have we gone backwards? I mean, David knew how to let loose and dance before the Lord. We read in 2 Samuel 6 about him bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. And it says, David danced before the Lord with all his might. His wife was watching and it goes on to say, And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Now, I mean, I might occasionally clap, though I've normally given up by the second verse, or I might reserve clapping just for the chorus. I know when I was growing up in church, if the spirit was moving and we were really caught up in worship, some people may have dared to have broken out into what is labelled the Pentecostal two-step. It's a little shuffle from one foot to the other. If anyone did more than that, gosh, did they get some stares. Some of us with the disposition of David's wife as opposed to David. Oh, to have the inclination that when the circumstances are appropriate, to dance before the Lord without a worry or concern of what others will think or say. I'm not quite there yet. And not only was David a talented musician, but he was a songwriter too. In Psalm 33, he wrote, Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. Throughout his life, he understood the importance of praise. That it wasn't about when everything was going well and he had victories. Although David did give the Lord praise and honour for that. But also during times that were hard. When he was literally fleeing for his life. When we praise, we infuse the atmosphere with hope. When you're in the dark... Don't stop singing. When you're hurting, don't stop singing. When you're facing those huge battles, keep worshipping, keep praising. Psalm 5 says, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them, that those who love your name may rejoice in you. For surely, O Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favour as a shield. And so on to my next reason. Sometimes I think we can read about men and women in the Bible and hold them up to superhero level rather than hero level. The problem when we do that is that we feel we'd never be able to do anything like what they did and we couldn't be used from the Lord as they were extra special. Well, they were special, but so are you. Yet they were very human like us too. I don't think it was easy for them to do their God-given assignments, and they certainly weren't perfect people. I'm sure they had doubts, questions, anxieties and worries. We get little insights into it, such as when Abraham was told that he and his wife Sarah would have a baby in their very elderly age. Sarah actually laughed at the very idea, and then she lied about laughing at it when she was challenged. When Moses was told to go and stand up against Pharaoh to free his people, he questioned whether he was the right man to do it due to him having a speech impediment. 
I'm sure if we could read all the inner thoughts of some of those men and women at that time, we might be surprised. But what I love about studying David is that as a reader, we do get to know his thoughts and are very much aware of his humanity. Not only when we read about him in 1 and 2 Samuel, but also in the Psalms he wrote, about 73 or 75, depending on whose opinion you take, of them are recorded in the Bible book of Psalms. There we can see his complaints, his fears, his worries, all laid bare. David pours out his heart in these Psalms and avows his trust in God alone. Some of them are praise speaking of God's greatness, goodness and mercy, of his power and justice. Some are prayers to God in times of trouble. Some contain good advice, showing the protection and joy that comes in following the will of God. I imagine that Psalms is one of the most read books of the Bible because people can often relate to the emotion being expressed and find comfort in that. Through all his emotional ups and downs, ultimately David trusted in the Lord and faced each battle, either literally or figuratively, knowing that the Lord was with him and would see him through. It says in 1 Samuel 30 that David encouraged himself in the Lord. When we doubt ourselves and feel that we're not good enough or inferior to others, realise that you're not the first person to think that. They thought that even back then. And you probably won't be the last. But let's turn to scripture and prayer and encourage ourselves in the Lord. If he's asked you to do something, it's because he knows that you've got the God-given gifts and abilities to do it. It's also interesting to note that when David persuaded Saul to let him go and fight Goliath, Saul tried to get David to wear armour. Now David couldn't walk in it, certainly not... A in it. David's methods would have to be different to Saul's. So when we are called to do our part, we can learn that we shouldn't try to imitate someone else or try to do things their way, even if it's successful for them. God's given you your own unique training and giftings for a reason. Have confidence in that. The last thing I'm going to mention about why David is my hero, though there's much more I could say, is his ability to own up when he makes mistakes and take responsibility. And boy, did he make some mistakes. But you know what? So have I. It does give me some relief, though, that a man who loved the Lord, served him, heard from him, experienced many victories in and through the Lord, could still go wrong. Sometimes I think we find it hard to show any imperfections as Christians. We think we have to look like we've always got it all together and we're perfect. Now, don't get me wrong, as we continue in our Christian walk, we should gain wisdom and maturity, and that's nothing to do with the number of years you've been saved. If we are learning more and walking and moving in the Spirit, then our attitude and actions should be more Christ-like. But we are still humans and we do still get things wrong. We have moments of weakness where the flesh part of us wins and before we know it we may have joined in that bit of gossip or let that anger explode or whatever it is for you. 
But how do we deal with it once it's happened? Well, in our house, we're trying to work on the blame culture. As soon as anyone is confronted with a bad choice they've made or an action they've done wrong, we're all quick to do what I call a sorry but, which is not an apology to a Welsh friend, but it's where we blame someone else or circumstances. So we are trying now to take ownership. David committed adultery with Bathsheba and then sent her husband to the front line of a battle where he knew he would likely be killed, and he was. You might think, well, that's far worse than losing your temper or taking home some stationery from the office. But to God, sin is sin. There are no levels. The Lord sent Nathan the prophet to confront David on his actions, and David's response was, I have sinned against the Lord. He then wrote Psalm 51, where he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. David took responsibility and sought forgiveness from the Lord. Listen how his predecessor Saul responded when his error was pointed out in 1 Samuel 15. I have sinned, I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people and so I gave in to them. Sorry, but... Now Nathan tells David that the Lord has forgiven him, but that there would of course be consequences to his actions. When we make mistakes, we know that Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that we can be forgiven. When we repent, which means to turn away from that sin and accept that forgiveness, we are, by his grace, able to carry on. Sadly, there may be consequences from what we've done, but know that you've never done or will never do anything that will stop the Lord from loving you or being able to use you. Somebody wrote, Our identity is not based on what we do. If we are great, God doesn't love us more. When we do wrong, God doesn't love us less. And David got this. As Christians, we're often quick to judge the mistakes of others. And so when people are struggling in areas that they know are wrong, they feel they can't talk to anyone for fear of shame, being looked down on or talked about. In James 5, it tells us to confess our sins to one another so that you might be healed. Often, more damage takes place because of the secrecy of sin. Let's be people of honesty and integrity, without judgment, but full of love so that we can help each other when we struggle. Bob Goff gives great advice on how to treat people in his book, Everybody Always, when he advises us to be like Jesus. He says, when they mess out, when they mess up, reach out to them with love and acceptance the way Jesus did. When they hit hard, run to them with your arms wide open to hug them even harder. God wants to be with them when they mess up, and he wants us to participate. The Lord knows the end from the beginning, and he knew that David would make these mistakes, but he still called him a man after his own heart. So I've shared some of the reasons why David is my hero. But like I said, let's not just admire David. Let's learn from him so we too can be men and women of God, 
called for a purpose, letting nothing get in the way of our God-given destinies so we can fulfil our part in God's ultimate plans. Let it be said of us as it was said of David in Acts 13. David had served God's purpose in his own generation.